0: You're listening to the one of Us.net Podcast Network.
1: You've listened to OneOfUs.net for years. Quality shows that have made you laugh and maybe even cry. But did you know they produce podcasts that you may not have even heard of? For just a few dollars a month you have the opportunity to hear quality podcasts like The Breakfast Pub The Game Bowl 2016 Get hype motherfuckers The Original Gentleman I see this as an avenue to you becoming a huge chick magnet Oh yeah And to Watch a Movie With Us series By the way, anybody thinking that his makeup is a
0: little bit heavy here does not remember the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's thinking about
1: banking babies right now. (laughs) Oh, it turned into a phallic symbol. Become a subscriber to oneofus.net and choose your level of giving from Red Shirt Brown Coat Time Lord and Jedi. And know that your donation will help bring quality oral entertainment to you for years to come. Thank you. And make Cthulhu devour your house last.
0: So what they told me is, you know the huh. vertical gym machines? You can put your, your your feet in the straps and hang upside down?
2: What, like like moon boots or something?
0: Yeah, 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 sort of. You hang up like that. Yeah. Like, okay. You do that but then you have you have to attach to them extra hooks, so you kind of bend around backwards, and you have to bend up really pretty hard, but you have to make sure ahead of time you get the feather duster where you can reach it towards the top.
2: Yeah, but doesn't all the blood drain from your balls? Well,
0: yes, but stay with me, because once you stimulate like your rectum uh-huh. with the feather duster, yeah. it just kind of, kind of comes all rushing back. But it's important to make sure the boots are strapped in, right, because otherwise there'll be a, you're going to, I mean, you, you will fall and kill yourself. I, I,
2: you know? I'm just thinking about the balls. Is it kind of like a blue waffle scenario, but for dudes
0: more or less yeah Uh, yeah yeah. so anyway once you get to that point oh shit what i think we may have been recording recording what what we were just talking about
2: what the the waffles yeah no no No. we couldn't have
0: i'm afraid so 11
2: uh can i uh you got anything to drink i kind of need to take the edge off i think we're
0: gonna need some beer for this because i think that went out live oh beer digital noise, Forgot everything you heard before. And by that, I mean everything you've heard before me, what I'm saying right now on this particular podcast. Yes.
2: That thing that he said at the moment that you were listening, that would just go ahead and disregard
0: it. Never it. happened. It was CG.
2: <laughs> Although it might've happened if you're one of our platinum members. <laughs>
0: That's a good idea. We should record a whole bunch of terrible secrets and just we should top level Jedi subscribers. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) The the none of us
2: podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And if you tell anyone you heard this, we will find you.
2: (laughs) We will make you
0: none. Uh, yeah so this is digital noise this is on one of I'm Chris this is yeah, Joe
2: Yeah for the most part
0: <laughs> and uh, he's got his little pompadour haircut going on
2: Hey man I don't even do anything to it it just happens Yeah it's not I'm that rockabilly No seriously <laughs> this is this is just sweat and time Lemonade, me that cool refreshing drink
0: uh so first off yes thank you subscribers who are already there I can't tell you how much we need new subscribers right now please if you, like that's what keeps shows like this so you can listen to it if it weren't for subscribers and continuing to get new ones I wouldn't even I wouldn't be able to do the shows that are free on here so please help us out like a $2 a month subscription $5 a month subscription $10 or for you guys who really love us the $25 a month subscription which, please, seriously, guys, that's like, I can't even tell you how grateful I am for you guys who do
2: Yeah, that. if you want to keep hearing ball talk, we need some of that and chatter.
0: Ball talk, ball, ball tickling, ball. Some
2: fromunda cheese talk I
0: don't know if we want to make that a selling point quite
2: frankly. Well, maybe we're just not marketing it correctly. You want to
0: hear less ball talk
2: Directed but... marketing is what we
1: need
0: <laughs> Also, uh, we've got all those Amazon links on the page where you can see we've got the images of all the titles that we talk about each week. You click on those, it'll take you to Amazon.com page where you can buy that item and we get a nice little kickback, but You can buy anything that you're planning on buying on Amazon.com. If you start from one of our links, as long as you start from one of those links, we get a kickback from whatever you buy. If you buy, you know, ball ticklers
2: mm-hmm. or pixie sticks or pixie sticks yeah, or yeah feather you can do that with some docking
0: although if you're gonna get feather dusters do not forget to get country crock ma- uh uh margarine spread that's the only one that oh some with. oleo yeah, yeah. exactly oleo okay. oh, uh, anyway without further ado let's move on to the review <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna start off with something kind of weird uh I, I'm not... I feel like this movie Observance is something I would have really liked a lot more when I was, like, in my 20s. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it just... <laughs> it's not like it's dumb. It's just... It's biggest problem is that it's one of those films that sets up its whole premise, and it's a cool premise. It's kind of rear window-ish. Little bit. Uh, and it gets... It starts showing, okay, something's happening. Something really creepy's happening. And then by the end, you're like... But we're not going to give you the faintest clue. What, anything you just—oh yeah, it
2: was—it was—it was totally lost. It was just like, uh, mm, well, the, the viewer is the best author.
0: But that <laughs> kind of drives me crazy. I mean, there are people who do that sort of like, okay, there's it's open ended stuff really well sometimes. Like, I mean, I think the best example ever of that is Lynch's Mulholland Drive. Okay, there's so much to interpret inside of it, and there's so much going on, and there are very definitive interpretations of that film you can mm-hmm. come through with. This just kind of felt like we just wanted to do a bunch of creepy stuff and yeah. guess what it was, which is fine, I guess. I just, you know, at the end you're just frustrated because I was genuinely enjoying this.
2: Uh, some of it I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, why? Like <laughs> like the, the little flash to the beach. And I was like, oh, really? Come on.
0: <laughs> but that's the thing. That's the problem. There's all these moments where it flashes to a whole nother scene, whole nother place. You're like, well, clearly that's pertinent. Even that's not explained.
2: Right. No, it was kind of like there was this sketch comedy troupe called The Vacant Lot in the early 90s. Uh uh, And they had like, we're going to make the best rock video. And so like they're like, oh, do this, do that. And then let the midget go. And that that was this. It was just lots of little midgets being let go.
0: (laughs) The story is this guy who, um, it's an Australian film, by the way, that this guy has been hired to watch this woman in her apartment and uh, from across the, the way in mm-hmm. another apartment that's kind of bare, very bare bones, barely working, just kind of shagged out. No, it's a shit shack. Yeah, uh, and he's got newspapers up all over the windows except for a little hole where he can stand back and take pictures of her uh, through his camera and eventually even goes breaks in over there to set up recording equipment and stuff. And he doesn't know why he's watching her. The guy on the other end of the phone who calls once a, once a day mm-hmm. keeps saying, you know, just tell us everything you see. That's all you need to do. Just tell us everything you see. It's like, well, is there anything I should be looking for? Just tell us everything. The
2: client doesn't want to meet you. It's like, well, yeah. no shit, the client doesn't want to meet you. Yeah,
0: because this is super <laughs> creepy. Uh, and, you know, he starts things up like there's some man in her life, shows up, and it looks like maybe it's abusive, but he can't really tell because things keep happening between the two windows he can't see. Yeah. Uh, and he's, like, kind of concerned for her in a way, but at the same time, this job is paying incredibly well. In uh, mm-hmm. fact, even to the point where he's starting to feel like weird shit is starting to creep in around his peripheral vision and he's starting to feel kind of sick at w- strange, Like there's a jar of black liquid above it, the place where he sleeps that su- keeps getting more full for some reason. <laughs> he doesn't know what it is. Um and he's, like, ready to get the fuck out of there. And the guy's like, yeah, we'll pay you, like, four times what we are paying you before if you stay for another week.
2: He's like, oh, fine.
0: Yeah, okay.
2: Stupid gambling debts.
0: <laughs> yeah, they never make clear exactly what the issue is, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it had to be something like that. I got to be, Didn't they say he just separated from his, his wife or something?
2: Yeah, because there was the whole kid component. Yeah.
0: And- yeah, uh, so I... <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I really enjoyed a lot of the sort of very Roman Polanski-ish type, like *The Tenant* moments. This mm-hmm. is definitely more influenced by *The Tenant* than anything else, uh, which is which is unfortunately a much better example of this type of like horror movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that too leaves you somewhat abstract, but you at least have closure at the end that you understand. I mean, like the most literal closure ever, where it goes back and you realize the beginning of the movie was the end of the movie. Buzzing. <laughs> um, um, But, no, I mean, like, I don't think this is bad. I think this director, Joseph Sims Dennett, certainly has a good visual eye and a good yeah. eye for creepy stuff. He just needed to be confident enough to, to create a script where everything adds up to something.
2: Yeah, make me feel something.
0: Like, at least, you know, like, at least the, the bare bones of something. It's yeah, like anything. It, it feels like it's missing a third act entirely. Or a point. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunate but like i said i think for people who go well that doesn't really bother me if it's really well made then you should check out observance because it's not a terrible film it's just missing the whole third act (laughs) (laughs) uh next up is a film i uh, another art like but more art sci-fi in its way Mm -hmm. art 70s sci-fi but made now is uh (laughs) is high rise based on the jg ballard book Uh, i'm a actually a big fan of ballard i really like Cronenberg's uh, version of Crash
2: mm, of his mm-hmm. book
0: Crash uh, not the uh, one that everybody gets mad at that won the Oscar. It's a different one. The <laughs> one about people who get sexu- uh, sexually turned on by being in cars.
2: Yes, yes, I remember that one. Yeah, uh,
0: that's the kind of subject matter J.G. Ballard loves to dwell.
2: Yeah, about. it's all about fucking
0: and high rise. This adaptation of his very popular novel uh, from 1975 is being directed by Ben Wheatley, who's kind of like among like indie film uh, fans of like genre stuff. Kind of like a like, like the new savant. Uh, has been doing a lot of films that may have be off your radar, but you really should check out like Sightseers, Kill List, and Down Terrace. I still haven't seen his A Field in England, but I hear it's quite good. Um, like one of those guys, whenever he puts out a new film, I'm always super excited to go check it out because they're always just completely standalone and amazing. High Rise is one odd film that if you didn't know all the actors in it, you would go, probably, pass, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean you'd probably go. Was this actually made in the seventies? because oh. it totally feels like it's made in the 70s in every every way
2: uh it kind of felt like a schlep for me of, of just like uh yep yeah. yep you're trying to be cute here <laughs> trying that's, to be cute yeah that's great yeah no just just like uh uh like the the oppressive uh just kind of new middle class trying to like Fight with the, or not fight, but infiltrate the the upper class mm-hmm. sort of dynamic. I was just like, yeah. Okay. Well,
0: I mean, it's definitely this whole film is is like film as metaphor. It's, yeah. It, oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no question. And if that's not your thing, then you should avoid this film. By well,
2: all, and all. if Abba's not your thing, double stay away. <laughs> uh,
0: Tom Hiddleston, yes, that's right. Loki plays Dr. Robert Lang, who is a doctor who has just moved into. Uh, this brand brand newish high rise. He's kind of right in the middle floors, and uh, you know he's very excited. Everything is included. It's got its own grocery store. It's got its own, I thought it's that cool. was awesome. Yeah, I'd like to <laughs> live in a tower with its own grocery store like that. Um, and it's made by this very famous architect, uh, Anthony Royal. How... You know, yes, can, yeah, With your metaphor, played by Jeremy Irons, who lives at the very top of of the building. Not a bad spread. No, not so much. Not so much. Uh, he, uh, you know, meeting other people in there. Some of them are just kind of unpleasant. Some of them are kind of nice. He starts a relationship with Sienna Miller, who's a single mom who lives nearby. Kind of. She was kind of, very nice to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. Kind of, kind of, kind of a dadish type figure to her son. Uh, he becomes friends with Luke Evans, who plays Richard Wilder, who's like a. Crazed documentary filmmaker of the kind that was more common in the seventies, you know, sort of
2: like bit of a dick.
0: anarchist filmmaker who's obsessed with his own sense of ethics.
2: Yes, Mr. Yeah. Gonzo.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then his pregnant wife, played by the great Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men, uh, and uh, along the way we start we see a lot of other characters. We see a lot of like moments that are just so incredibly on the nose. Of course, for what's supposed to be going on? Like at one point, he kind of. Accidentally gets invited to a party the architect is throwing and everyone there is literally wearing like French 18th century aristocratic clothing. Yeah, it's, a, it's
2: some Order of the Golden Dawn shit going on.
0: Yeah, well, it's like just so blatant of like, yes, this is the idle rich who are just completely <laughs> disdainful of everyone else. And as it goes along, I mean, when it starts, it's like, well, all this ends horribly. We already know it turns yeah. into total chaos and people die. And it's basically talking about how any society that is structured in this way, like a capitalistic society, is bound for ruin.
2: That's stratified, if you will. Uh,
0: indeed. Uh, and yes, this is going to be way too on the nose for, for a lot of people. I actually thought this was great myself. Really thoroughly enjoyed this. But it's the type of film It's so abstract in its way. It's abstract and it's not. Because like I said, it is one giant metaphor. Like, everything that happens in this film is a metaphor. But nothing is necessarily... Non linear, mm-hmm. I mean, it's all very clear cut story events of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, that, that part I, you can appreciate, <laughs> you know. Uh, I guess what I do enjoy is that it is both because I'm watching a real story and you watch it, you're never like, Wait, what the fuck happened to that guy or anything. You're like, No, you understand all that stuff, mm-hmm. and then I had fun figuring out what everybody stood for along the way. Mm-hmm.
1: Plus, okay.
0: Wheatley's just crazy psychedelic in the 70s style film.
2: No, that was it was weird because uh, obviously it looked nothing like Blade Runner, but I definitely had a Blade Runner like atmosphere to it. It was just like super
0: heavy. That that the end of a of a civilization dystopia. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Except in almost a cartoony sort of way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Except it was in Newcastle or wherever.
0: Yeah, yeah, in some somewhere outside of London. I don't, I don't even know precisely. But, um, yeah, I, t- I thought Tom Hiddleston was really good in this. It's, we, I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff outside of, you know, Marvel movies. Um, mm-hmm. Isn't he the guy? He's the one who's in that one, uh, that BBC miniseries everybody was raving about recently, right? Could be. I'm blanking on the name of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. But uh, Everybody was telling me how good it was, and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to watch that. And I just still have not gotten around to watch it. It's like one of those ones that... You see, I'm trying to talk through the night manager. I was trying to talk through not knowing why school, <laughs> uh, it's the night manager. Everybody's been saying it's really good and I've not got a chance to watch it yet. Hopefully it'll be on regular t- Netflix sometime soon. Maybe I said regular TV, but I'm like, yeah, I don't watch that. <laughs> I don't know what that <laughs> is anymore. I don't know what that is. Fuck that shit. Do I don't have to set up an antenna or some shit to get that, uh, bonus features. Of course, there's a commentary by the director along with Tom Hiddleston and a producer, um, uh, there's a building the world of high rise seventies style, a nine minute featurette with the look period costumes and production design. There's a piece called heady special effects. It's about three and a half minutes long. It looks at the, the well, basically one of the big special effects early on where you see a, a severed head that he's showing medical students and he just literally peels the skin off the thing. That yeah, looks that was cute. Way too real for my comfort (laughs) when it happens and then uh breaking down high rise and its tenants about a 15 minute piece that looks at all the various characters and the actors who play them of which there are quite a few uh there's bringing ballard to the high screen about four minutes which looks at the source text uh and then of course your average you know here are some more trailers of movies by magnolia because that's what they do (laughs) uh moving on to something that is not at all like either one of those two films but certainly at least has a mission is ah, saved, you, you know, is saved which is uh, a movie i completely and intentionally avoided when it came out because i was like wait well first off we didn't really know who any of these actors were well it were. looked then. like schlock it looked like it looked like bad like you know, the same kind of bad Christian filmmaking stuff that always comes out comes mm-hmm. out thir- five or six times a year to your theater, stays for a weekend, and then leaves because it's awful. Yeah, it's Christmas with a capital C. <laughs> and at this time, we when this came out, we didn't know anybody in it. And I didn't realize, yes, while this is certainly about a whole group of very serious born-again Christians. that uh, was all about Jenna
2: Maloney. Christians.
0: Yeah, but we didn't know who she was. She hadn't been in Donnie Darko yet.
2: Yeah, but I was like, I bet we could be friends.
0: <laughs> I bet you could have, too. Uh, not anymore, though. She's like, "Who are you?"
2: Well, now, she, now she's asking for my autograph because I'm a digital noise. Uh, I
0: wouldn't want to be friends with her now after I saw her in the neon demon. She's scary. <laughs> uh, and then Mandy Moore, who I still don't care about. You know. Hey, well, she she was she was here in Austin for a while, and she
2: was dating what's his face tennis guy.
0: Uh, was she? Yeah. Yeah. And then Macaulay Culkin, who at this point was just barely hanging on to still being a star.
2: Was it? Was this a? Uh, was this a uh, pre-party monster?
0: uh i'm pretty sure
2: because party monster like totally redeemed him for me
0: i've never saw that but i think you're being sarcastic
2: i'm not being Are sarcastic really? it's awesome is it okay it's amazing i
0: didn't see it i i don't have any feelings about it one way or the other all right and then patrick fugit who i believe is about the same time as almost famous but th- that was this is one of the movies he did that not enough people saw when we were all like wait that guy's still alive <laughs> <laughs> uh martin donovan who was like primarily a how how uh Hartley actor like we'd seen a lot mm. of his films which are if you don't know that's because you weren't one of those people who were like I've already rented everything in this video <laughs> who is Hal Hartley and why does he have his own section yeah.
2: and I'm not going to Blockbuster
0: <laughs> uh, and you know the idea is there's these like Jenna Malone plays the main character Mary you know ironically enough nah. uh, yeah because uh, she plays a nice quiet Christian girl who has a boyfriend she she's I hangs out with at this Christian school named Dean, played by a uh, Chad Fa- Faust. <laughs> Sorry, I find that funny. Who's one of those actors you're like, oh, I've seen him in things, <laughs> in television shows, in Smallville and stuff like that. One of those actors, like, he's that guy. Uh, and right off, almost in the beginning, he tells her, "I think I might be gay," and so she has like this epiphany that she's like. I have to sleep with him. And I know that we're not, it's a sin to sleep before marriage. But I also, the pastor told me like, if you sin for the right reason, God will forgive you. So she like chooses to like seduce him and they have sex once. And, of course, she gets pregnant. whoops the noodles. <laughs> yeah, because it would have been a sin to use protection. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of reminds me of a scheme I came up with in college that was completely awful, and I never went through with it. But, uh, uh,
0: how many children would you have now if you had? Uh, <laughs> doesn't matter to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she's dealing with this secret and trying to cover up. Shit, I'm pregnant, and what do I do? He's been outed largely and gets pregnant. Like his parents find a male porn mag in his room, so he gets sent to one of those reprogramming centers. Mm -hmm. Yep. Those places are fucking creepy, dude. I'm sorry. They should not be. I can't believe they're even alive. Well, how come you keep going? What? (laughs) Me? The the way you said it, it's like, oh, man, every time I go,
2: they're the worst. The girls
0: are so easy there. That's true. But helping her through this is uh, uh, sort of at first Mandy Moore, who's like sort of the leader of this singing group called the Christian Jewels that she's part of, who's very much up her own ass in a huge way. Mm-hmm. She is the bad cheer- head cheerleader in every teen movie except in this case, she she like wants to be a good Christian. So she keeps turning the other cheek and doing stuff like that. But she's still alpha bitch, but she's still alpha bitch. And she, you know, she's clearly disdainful of, of everyone else. Uh, her younger brother, though is pretty cool. Played by Macaulay Colkin, who's in, who's paraplegic, but he's kind of, he's the kind of the cynical, funny hipster kid.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the voice of reason.
0: And then they meet, uh, uh, Cassandra Edelstein, played by Eva Amurri, who's really charming in this. I was totally mm-hmm. unfamiliar yeah. with her. Plays a, a the Jewish girl who's attending this Christian school. Who's the punk rocker? Who you know? Who's like, hey, fuck all you guys. Too bad we don't know anybody like that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and Patrick Fugit is the new kid who comes in. The son of the pastor, uh, played by Martin Donovan, who um, is you know the cool skateboarder Christian rock kid. Oh yeah, yeah. he listens to Skillet. <laughs> is that a real Christian <laughs> yeah,
2: rock there? All- <laughs>
0: uh, uh and you know, there's a, they're setting up for like a. There would be a romance with her between him and Jenna Malone really quickly, except that she can't because she knows she's pregnant. Yeah, and I think that, like, I mean, I know that may, I made that all sound more complicated than it really is. I mean, ultimately, it's a pretty simple level teen movie very basic except mm-hmm. that it actually deals with a little issues a little harsher than a lot of those teen movies did you know like teen pregnancy and homosexuality at a time when movies weren't very openly dealing with that stuff
2: yeah, yeah it wasn't direct overlap but i liked this way more than juno
0: more than did you really yeah okay i, I like juno better myself
2: well but, i know yeah. you're you're a michael Sarah guy
0: yeah <laughs> i oh my god that just came out <laughs> i'm gonna have to go to one of those christian uh, yeah tests.
2: you're gonna have to be deprogrammed for sarah
0: <laughs> um I, I like, I think the main issue here is that when this movie tries to be funny, I didn't think it was funny. I thought it was just kind of mediocre, but I th- do like the fact that this is speaking specifically towards the crowd of young Christian people. Mm-hmm. And nothing in here is anti-Christian at all. No, uh. It's just anti-intolerant.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, cause it's, it's a, it's a way of like, well, you're just gonna have to figure out how to live in this shit. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, which it, I think is, for uh, like young people, I mean, that's your environment. You can't exactly be like, "Well, fuck this," because that's what your your family has has put you into. So deal with it. Don't don't try to tear it down.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like like you're in a world that's much more complicated than simply saying because the Bible said so. Mm-hmm. And that that is a there's a deeper way of looking at it and understanding it than that. I think it's like, and you can still be a Christian and say, well, maybe the exact word of God isn't exactly how you're supposed to interpret that as meaning, you know, mm-hmm. it's their parables, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which isn't to say, at least not, you know, my opinion left out of this entirely, which isn't to say that it isn't actually handed down from God, but like, perhaps he meant to speak in symbols and <laughs> perhaps some people threw in their own lines along the way. Oh yeah. And also fuck the gays. The, the Bible yeah. is his high rise. <laughs> <laughs> this would have been better with Tom Hiddleston. I'm just saying, anyway, <laughs> As I Jenna this, this is, this is cute, but I don't think it's essential unless you have like, like a kid who's growing up very, very Christian and you want to tell him to, maybe they're getting a little carried away and you want to tell him to relax a bit. <laughs> or if you just if you just liked it
2: the first time you saw, it. or if you like Macaulay Culkin,
0: I I kind of miss Macaulay Culkin. I kind of miss him. Yeah, before he went total I mean, like bonkers. Yeah, I don't know if he went bonkers. Some like I read a thing about him recently where basically he just like started getting high a lot and just started going. I don't really need the money. Mm-hmm. I don't, and like I, right now, I just don't even really feel like putting in all the effort. Yeah, so I'm yeah, just fair enough. Relax and chill. I was like. Yeah, fair enough, dude. Yeah, he
2: was the big Mac attack. Now he calls it shots.
0: And now uh, Rory Colkin is the one we get and everything.
2: Yeah. He's,
0: he's not terrible.
2: Mm, he's, not, he's not Macaulay. He's not as
0: cute as Macaulay was. He's adorable. We all know. Michael Jackson knew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are not much in the way of special features here. Just a few like EPK uh, uh, uh things and then a commentary with the co-writer and director brian dannelly uh the producer sandy stern and michael urban another co-writer and then there's another commentary with mandy moore and jenna malone if you ever wanted to hear those two in a room which you have yeah everybody everybody has has. i've got them all saved set it for years (laughs) see what i did there save
2: that was the thing yeah, I, yeah, I was, I was going to let it go. All right. You should have.
0: Uh, moving on to something that, that was around the same time but couldn't be more different. Well, no, it was about 10 years earlier. I yeah, guess, a little bit. is American Ninja and American Ninja 2. That's we're, right. We're th- both out on Blu ray for reasons that are completely unclear.
2: Uh, because America needs to be great again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we'll just go ahead and start with American Ninja, as it were. Uh, if you're totally unfamiliar with this series, this is from the. A much maligned, sometimes overly praised Golan Globus. Sublime,
2: film. they're sublime. Okay, <laughs> well,
0: they're, they're certainly superlative in their way. If this, if the type of film you're looking for is B movie in America from the '80s, that's they're they're superlative. Hey,
2: they gave us John Claude Van Damme.
0: But, was it them? Yep. They oh, because he was in his first movie was Breaking Two, right?
2: No, uh... when he was
0: he was dancing that see, that. Gif we, always, Gif we always see of him dancing. That's from Breaking Two, I think. Maybe. Maybe. I think that was it. I don't know.
2: I'll go watch Breaking Two again. This is
0: not Jean Claude Van Damme. this is Michael Dudikoff. That's right, Dutes. In his own way became a pretty big star of like home home videos.
2: Oh yeah, he he took the, the rowdy rowdy uh, route to uh, action hero. What? Rowdy Roddy Piper of, of just like, uh, you know, B-movies straight to video. Yeah. Like, making a decent living. Steady paycheck. <laughs>
0: well, except he wasn't a wrestler. In fact, he wasn't even a fighter. And here he's supposed to be this incredibly badass ninja. And he had ne- never studied the martial arts at all. He you
2: couldn't this. tell.
0: Actually, he does do a pretty good no, job, all things considered,
2: right. in this. Well, considered as,
0: how bad everyone looks in this. I was going to say,
2: as good as all the other action is.
0: Well, I mean, the guy, uh, Steve James, who plays the other kind of major action mm-hmm. star in this, who thankfully they did never relegate to really a sidekick. No. You know, I was afraid they were going to do that. You're like, no, he's pretty much his partner in this. Yeah. He's just not in the movie as much for the first half. He plays a, like a, a, a you know, slightly higher ranked military guy than him, has been in this military installation longer. And uh, he's actually a highly trained martial artist Mm -hmm. who was really good. And apparently Dudikoff kept saying, I was so embarrassed. Huh?
2: (laughs) I know, because I used to be a part of the martial arts scene in the late 80s. And so I met him. You met him? Yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. He's really, he's so great. I'm always like, why wasn't this guy in more movies? He's also a really nice guy. He's so charismatic in these films. And he's clearly really good at doing, like, action stuff. Like, uh, sorry about the beeping in the background. My wife is making challah bread for us. (laughs) That's Uh right. Um, <laughs> so should shape. we
2: should we give him a rundown on American
0: Ninja? Yeah, well, why don't you tell the plot this time? I've been given the plot. It's your turn. All right, mysterious stranger. Private Joe Armstrong accidentally screws up a deal that
2: goes bad, and then ninjas show up, and then there's a colonel, and he's got a daughter, and for some reason she kind of likes him, even though he's a quiet douchebag. <laughs> and then uh, Corporal Steve James, who is uh, Curtis Jackson, is all like, I don't like you because you're a douche, and so then they like fight, but he doesn't want to fight, and then he makes them fight, and then they're friends, and then they have to take care of the rest of the bad ninja guys. Ah, wow, that's pretty good. No, that's, I mean, sure, there's, there's little <laughs> specific points, but that's the whole thing.
0: Uh, one interesting little point here, uh, the girl who's the love interest, mm-hmm. I was like, why does she look so familiar? Because uh-huh. she was, a, remember in Weird Science, the two high school girls who they ended up, the main characters ended up getting with? Yeah. She was the brunette. Well, there you go. I was like, oh, I've seen that movie like 50 times for reasons I cannot defend.
2: <laughs> but how many times have you seen American Ninja?
0: This is only the first time. What? Yep. I oh. somehow missed this whole this series in time. Oh, man. And I mean... It's not without its charms, to be sure. I mean, oh, there are way worse canon films.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, my God. That's putting it light, mildly. Uh, this, in terms of if we're just looking at the Golden Globus collection of films, mm-hmm. this is like in the top five probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's a. there's a real big drop-off after the first couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and cop is kind of charming and fun in his way. And it's just so goofy. There's so many moments that are just laugh out loud funny. I mean, nobody's going to look at the action in this and go, this is better than in Hong Kong movies. <laughs> it's not even, you can't even compare it. But it does stuff like has goofy ninja tools out of nowhere, you know.
2: Oh, yeah, or, or just uh, totally regaining memories just because.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love that he's got the ancient master who trained him, who just so happens to be the gardener for the bad guy now. You're like, okay, that was convenient and weird and slightly uncomfortable. But they actually did put together a solid package for this thing. Uh, There's a 23-minute "A Rumble in the Jungle, The Making of American Ninja, that interviews everybody who's still alive, basically. And then a new audio commentary with the director and uh, producer, Getting into heavy-duty detail more than probably anyone ever needed to know. Well, because they never thought anybody would ask. Yeah, they're so excited <laughs> that anybody just called. You're like, "Mom? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Who is this?"
2: <laughs> no, I, I've, I've watched the American Ninja's millions of times as a wow. kid.
0: Yeah, yeah. See, I, I missed this whole series altogether. Well,
2: honestly, like more than than Dudikoff was Steve James. Like, just Steve yeah. James is so Steve awesome.
0: Steve James is like, that's the one thing I came away from this. It was like, wow, I am now officially a Steve James fan.
2: Yeah. Like, Dudikoff
0: is like, yeah, he's all right, whatever. But th- James is like, man, he's got all that, like.
2: He's got charisma. He's got the hot bod. He's got the moves. Yeah. Like, Jesus. He's, he's
0: really funny. He's, uh yeah, his like, he's got, he's kind of like, his his style is somewhere between Bruce Lee and uh, Jim, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kelly? Yeah, Jim Kelly. You know? It's yeah, like, but no, whoop whoops. No, stay, he's doing more, vocally he's doing more of the Bruce Lee thing. Yeah. But, yeah, totally worth watching for him. Unfortunately, the only other one I believe he's in is American Ninja 2. Because there's, what, five of these, I think? Yeah, there's a shit ton. And from near as I can tell, only the first two are really the only ones worth watching. It's kind of like the Kickboxer franchise. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've (laughs) never watched any but the first one. Oh, my God. Uh,
2: the the Cody from Step by Step is in, like, the last four of the the Kickboxer series.
0: Well, uh, why don't you go ahead and describe the plot for American Ninja 2. Because you've seen the first one. You had a lot of unanswered questions. You got... I gotta see what happens to Dudikoff and James next.
2: Well, so there's a bunch of Marines, and they're just, like, stationed at this embassy, and it's like, oh, happy good times, I'll all right, and they're like, oh, man, where'd they go? And it's like, well, we need some ninjas, because uh, we don't know that there's ninjas or anything, but we're still, like, Let's let's ask for some ninja type help. Wait, those aren't Marines, those are army. What? On a marine base. Okay. And then so then Steve James and Michael Dudakoff kick some ass.
0: <laughs> That's more or less it. <laughs> I mean it's it's American Ninja One on an island.
2: Oh, and there's a kid who's kinda like short round, but not completely like yeah. short round. Well, he's
0: like short round if he was like a dyed in the wool capitalist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> for, for the greenbacks. <laughs> Um, and, I mean, like ultimately, to some degree, this is almost interchangeable with the first one in terms of quality. I well, not.
2: but what's what's interesting is that it, like Dudikov is kind of like a little fawn or a yearling who's trying to like figure out how to walk in the first one, and he actually does a better job in this one.
0: Yeah, and Steve James gets a lot more to do.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah they figured out.
0: Oh, okay. Everybody actually <laughs> really liked that guy. Let's make him like the second. You know, like they're both the star. Yeah, there. I mean, there are points where inexplicably. James is off doing nothing and Dudikov is just like, okay, well I'm going to go and do this huge mission myself. And you're like, why? <laughs> you're not, you, at least the first one you understood. Cause they were like, they weren't really friends for a while. Right? They're like, and wasn't sure what he could tell them. Now they're like great friends. And they both know what the deal is in the mission. Dudikov at points, like I'm going to go ninja the shit out of this. I'll yeah. Like. My
2: ninja is Ooh, they flare in.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, once again, like these are, if you want to have a fun twofer with your friends, uh, of like watching goofy 80s ninjasness at its, at its finest. Yep. Uh, well, sadly, this is about as fine as it got. <laughs> I mean, how were the, I've only watched of the just ninja films mm-hmm. I've only seen, which is the same production company and producers and everything. I've only seen three, the mm-hmm. exorcist, the goofiest one, the one that was hated by everyone that came out, but now is kind of revered in a way. Of mm-hmm. like, God damn, what were they thinking? <laughs> but how are the first two of that series by comparison? Of which yeah, you know, the, the the other ninja series that you mean did. the master ninja no no they were just called like what was it it was just called like ninja uh what was it because ninja three the domination is the third one yeah. in that series and i forget but it's not the third in this series but it's the same producers and i'm whatever the oh, first Jesus two Christ. films because they were uh shoshi Kasugi was the star uh
2: i don't remember that one no oh uh-uh.
0: there's Golden globus help me out here joe and keep talking while I scroll with you Oh the yeah.
2: So like the ninjas and Shokusugi, you know, like uh, he was yeah, in Yeah, I'm sorry.
0: Enter the Ninja and Revenge of the Ninja. Oh, wow. I don't remember those. Yeah, those are the ones people are like, "Oh no, those those are the two the best Golden Globuses." And I'm like, "Well, until they reissue them on Blu-ray and send them to We me, don't know. We don't know. <laughs> it's in fact it's it's a Schrodinger's cat of ninjiness."
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the ninja is not there and also not there.
0: Uh, anyway, let's move on to I am embarrassed to admit, one of the films I most enjoyed watching this week, Uh, a film that now is in contention with Troll 2 for the best worst movie ever made, as far as I'm concerned, Okay, coming from Arrow Films... Who do such a great job with all their re-releases, even when they're not... When you question, why are you doing this? Sure, they do a good job. Microwave Massacre from 1983, starring Las Vegas and very famous, uh, in his day, comedian stand-up comedian Jackie Vernon, playing his final role before... I think he died before it even got distribution. Well,
2: because he realized he had already uh, reached the apex.
0: Of I mean, his career with this. This is <laughs> as good as it was going to get. Mm-hmm. That's guy right. I used to be on stages with Frank Sinatra was like, yeah. Oh sure, he had the best sandwich you ever ate. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, you know the New York guy. Uh, he's a construction worker who uh, has a terrible scree- shrieking harridan of a wife who can't cook and doesn't care about him. Actively tells him how much she can't care about him, but he's a total useless. Yeah, he's a schlub. as well. Not to say there's anything good about either one of them, because there's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, it comes – and this is the weirdest part is the title, the, like, microwave massacre. Like, this, really – the microwave has almost nothing to do with No, other
2: than then they just had a big-ass microwave.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he comes home and finds his wife has bought this microwave the size of a regular stove with a bunch of sci-fi-looking buttons on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, uh, okay. Um, so he gets home one day after too many times having to deal with her and uh, beats her to death with a pepper grinder. Uh, wakes up the next day, hungover, doesn't even remember doing it. Discovers uh, that his wife's corpse is sitting in the microwave in pieces, uh, and he's uh, like, "Fuck! Well, um, I'm not going to go to jail for this." So he just wraps up all the pieces and puts them in his meat fridge. Yep, as you do, <laughs> as you do. And uh, accidentally, a little bit later, thinking he was just eating a piece of meat, I don't know why he just who just pulls. Yeah, the he just the just meat, not. You got a uh, unwraps uh, one her hand and starts chewing on. It's like, man, this is fucking good. Yeah, and He Realizes mate. his hand is completely unfazed by this fact. Yeah, no, no. He he definitely knows how to roll with the punches. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, surprisingly so, uh, and like even goes to the point where he starts brings starts bringing meat of her to work to share with his coworkers or yeah, cream. with his
2: various seventies. Bros. And they're
0: like, "This is awesome! You got to bring us more." So he starts going and like looking for like loose woman to hook up with, and at first actually have uncomfortable to watch sex with. Yes, and very then, gross. But but then ultimately just kill and chop up and make meat out of. Which, like I said, microwave barely. Really, I mean, I think there's one point you see he's using it basically like a just a place to store them. They're not yeah. even cooking. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, I. I don't know what to say about this film except that it's, it's just such a glorious mess.
2: It's it's the ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it, it's. I mean, I don't know if they were trying or not. Well, it, it's weird because
2: it, I mean, this—if it were a little more focused, it would have been a great trauma film. Uh-huh. Uh huh. To, to, to give you an idea of to set the tone, within the first two minutes, uh, a lady is walking by a construction, uh, uh, placey thing, uh, and she, <laughs> she's she's looking through a hole in a fence, and so of course, what happens? Some dude gets behind her and just starts ramming her from behind, yeah. and then her her boobs pop out of the hole that she was looking through. So the construction worker all drop their shitty sandwiches to go touch boobs yeah. while she's getting plowed. That's, that, that sets the scene.
0: <laughs> well, I was laughing when I was talking about this. The first shot in this movie is of a dismembered head. The second shot of this movie is a close-up of a woman's pair of breasts while she's walking and you're yeah. like, there you go, people! This That's is the film. Movie. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so trashy in almost a John Watersy sort of way, except not as, like, directed as that, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, but it's it's a it's God I don't know it's a it's a train wreck you can't take your eyes off of that moves quickly it's oh it's not, yeah, yeah, it's, not, it's not boring yeah it's not boring at all it just does makes the weirdest decisions and it's about his seventies as fuck
1: yep yeah
0: <laughs> um, so for some reason Arrow well I don't say some reason this is fun to watch you should yeah. watch this movie um, Arrow cleaned it up. I'm sure the only other copy before this looked like absolute hell and still had tracking lines in it, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, but they added a 21-minute featurette called My Microwave Massacre Memoirs, uh, interviewing some of the actors with this. There's an image gallery and an audio commentary. Uh, I, I'm i shocked they were able to find anyone who was willing to participate <laughs> in these
2: bonus features. Or remembered that they were a part of it.
0: Yeah. Um, but I, in all seriousness, if you like films that are so bad, they're fun. This is like an absolute, it's pretty damn save. high up there. Yeah. Yeah. You have to add this to your collection. Uh, moving on to something that it couldn't be more different than that.
2: Yeah. It's more, more timely.
0: Uh, don't be a dick, Joe. Be a wiener.
2: Oh, I'm See? just can't at least be a dick print. Joe was
0: like, "Fuck you!"
2: Oh, you're making a joke. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, Weiner is a documentary uh, about the politician Anthony Weiner, uh, and specifically following him on his campaign to be mayor of New York City during the 2013 mayoral election. Which, if you follow the world's events at all, you know he did not, in fact, win. No, and in fact, for very like he came really close. Except the guy can't keep his dick in his pants when his se- when his cell phone is near him. Mm-mm. Like he has a serious problem. In fact, just happened in the news the other day. They announced. Oh no! It was leaving him because he got busted again. A third time.
2: Yeah. No. It was the perfect timing for this documentary.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's married to Huma. Or was married Abedin. To Huma Abedin, who's uh, one of Hillary Clinton's top advisors. Yeah. Italy.
2: Yeah. They're they're talking cabinet position if if Hillary gets elected.
0: Oh. For her, I'm not surprised. Yeah. As she deserves it after all the shit she put up with with, with mm. Anthony Weiner. <laughs> yeah. The thing about Weiner is like he's like born in the get, again, died in the wool liberal, like a uh-huh. hardcore New York liberal. Where you're like, I like this guy. He reminds me of Ed Koch, you know, when he was <laughs> mayor of New York. I would totally vote for him. In fact, he was indeed a member of Congress, but he resigned after pictures came out where he was tweeting woman. Direct messaging them pictures of his dick Yeah Um, And, you know, you don't do that sort of thing when you're married Especially with your last name, come on Yeah, I know, come on, it just writes itself, right? But like I said, this is after all this, and he's trying to regain ground. He's like, well, I'm going to go, but I'm going to go be mayor. A lot of New Yorkers do like me because I'm a character.
2: Hey, you know what? I stand up for the things I stand up for.
0: Us, wait, this is another dick joke. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take it that way.
2: I'll take it on time times two.
0: <laughs> uh, he's very grassroots. He's getting out there with the people, and he's fun to watch. You're like kind of you're watching the movie you're like, man, okay, he made a mistake. Maybe we should all chill out. I mean, come on. Like, a, how? like a, it's, Yeah, ugh. classic American Redemption story. Yeah. Except for the point where he actually looks like he's going to become mayor. And he gets busted again with more dick packs. And you're <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> it's This is a genuinely funny documentary that's all true. And the most shocking thing is that Anthony Weiner let them make it with the degree of intimacy that that, that they did.
2: It's an amazing uh, character study of a real-life human being because you do get to see the positive parts of him. And then you get to see this this strong, won't-be-beaten New Yorker Mm -hmm. who eventually... Loses it and does become beaten by himself.
0: Yeah, well, he was beating himself. All right.
2: Well, no, that wasn't proven.
0: <laughs> uh, one of the weirder parts there made me very uncomfortable, and it should, because it's like, wait, how am I supposed to feel about this? They bring out one of his online sex partners, uh, Sydney Leathers, who comes out all high and mighty, like, well, I was so disappointed because I was this huge like, supporter of the things he was saying and then I started sexting with him for a long time and you're like... And this is before she's like, I was so disappointed what he had done before. And then so, she proceeds to do the exact, exact same yeah. thing with him. And then when it comes out that she was he was busted texting him, and suddenly she's talking to anyone who will interview oh, yeah. about what a moral woman she is. She had Yeah,
2: much. she had zero superiority to him. Yeah,
0: and, and then immediately turns around and takes a deal to appear in porn films. And then comes out and starts showing up to try and confront him in front of the media right. in places and you're like you don't have any high ground is that by.
2: that was the part where I was like go fuck yourself because it's not about him it's about like oh I'm gonna do this but it's going to absolutely humiliate his wife yeah like that's the part I was like, no, no. But,
0: I mean, even if he wasn't married and it was a moral thing, her being involved at that point was like you were so obviously just being a media whore, and I don't mean whore in the derogatory towards woman. I mean, and the derogatory towards anyone who will sell themselves for more public appearances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's she's despicable. And, he, you know, you're like, he didn't even sleep with you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you barely know the guy. You know his dick better, pictures of his dick better. Yeah, you, you know his online handles. And yeah, I mean, he fucked up. At this point, this guy's out of politics, and he deserves to be. He did it to himself. I'm not moralist about this stuff. I never go, I say people's sex lives their own thing, but clearly this guy has a problem.
2: Yeah, he's there's there's something greater at work, especially with this third time.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're like, come on, man, seriously, (laughs) Uh, you are never going to be having dinner at the White House. Is all
2: man, get an escort because they don't tell. (laughs) Like Jesus.
0: Yeah, uh, I really liked this. I had a fun time watching it. Anthony Weiner is such a bizarre character i think this is a documentary it's not going to bore you at all no if you do love politics you really should have almost already seen this by now and if you don't care about politics this doesn't get enough into politics that it's really going to bug you
2: yeah it's not really that much about politics yeah
0: uh i definitely thoroughly recommend that uh next up is maggie's plan it's the plan. Yeah, Man, that's it's, Maggie's plan. No,
2: yeah, it's adorkable. Uh, it's uh-huh. well, it's
0: adorkable because it's Greta Gerwig. Uh-huh. Maggie, who's like the the word in, in, in you know adorkable now has a picture next to it of Greta Gerwig.
2: Yeah, she, apparently she like uh, outquoted Zoe Dashnell, so now she's got the top
0: spot. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> uh, and Zoe Bell. Yeah, um, here she plays. Uh, A woman who's kind of gotten used to being by herself. She's like, look, every relationship I've ever been in has ended after a very short period of time because I get sick of them. I just don't. They frustrate me. I don't want them. I like my shit my way. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But the problem is she wants a kid. And she's like, okay, how do I want to do that to have a kid? She sets up with a thing who she used to, a guy with, she used to know to get his sperm, you know, donated type of deal. Uh, But then she ends up meeting uh, Ethan Hawke. Well, and you know what happens from there. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Gattaca's all over. Ethan
0: Hawke is a ficto-critical anthropologist, which after watching this movie, I still don't know what that means.
2: Uh, I I think uh, it's analyzing uh, fiction written by certain groups of people and then analyzing how that was extrapolated from their actual experience.
0: That didn't help. Uh, well, it's
2: it's uh, it's so that Julianne Moore can show up.
0: Yes, who is playing Ethan Hawke's very stuffy, uh, foreign... Danish! Danish. Because at first I was like, what life. the shit is going on with you, lady? Yeah, they've got that relationship that clearly was based at some point. It like, seemed like there probably was passion at some point. I mean, they have kids together, uh, and now there's sort of just this intellectual standoff between the two of the momos he's trying to write fiction she's clearly very disdainful of him doing that at
2: mm-hmm, all mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not
0: being very supportive uh and is very much into just her own thing and he's kind of just feeling unloved and so well it's because they stop
2: challenging each other and and then an intellectual relationship that is the kiss of death
0: who are you dr Nerdlove? <laughs> no <laughs> dr Nerdlove love to the sequel or maybe you're his 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 his, his uh His antagonist. Yeah, I am. greatest villain. Yes. What is your title then?
2: Uh, Professor uh, Normal Person Admiration.
0: (laughs) We'll work on that. (laughs) We'll get... Yeah. We're going to workshop that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can get a pass on that.
0: (laughs) Uh, But yeah, um, he and uh, Ethan Hawke and Greta Gerwig, they're just friends at first. But then, of course, it turns into a full-blown affair. Next thing you know, it's like Flash 2... What, a year or two later? It's
2: like three years later. Yeah,
0: they've gotten married.
2: By the way, awful transition.
0: Yeah, no, it just <laughs> jumped. Uh, they've gotten married. They have a kid of their own. And she starts realizing this isn't really working. This guy is a douchebag. And so she comes across the... She decides the dumbest plan ever. the One that feels like... The, I'm generally critical of this film, let me just say this. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason is because this film feels like someone writing something they think Woody Allen would have written.
2: But just much more poorly executed. Yeah,
0: not anywhere near as good or as funny as Woody Allen
2: does. Can can I ask you, because I'm not a big uh, Greta Gerwig follower. Mm -hmm. I don't watch all the Greta Gerwig Mm -hmm. uh, TV shows and whatnot. Movies. Uh, Whatever. So is she always that bad at acting?
0: Well, I don't think she's bad. Well, because
2: she was so stilted in a way, but at, at the first half... Whereas, like, is this a character decision where she's, like, slightly autism spectrum?
0: Well, she always plays characters that are kind of seem like they're slightly on the But office. then for the second half, she just completely forgets about it. I didn't notice, but maybe that's because I had lost interest in the film. Well, I, that's understandable. Why? Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, she comes up with this plan that, oh, I'm going to come up with a way... For him to cheat on me with his ex-wife, who clearly still wants to be with him, with Julianne Moore. And then it'll be... Fin- you know what? You go back to your wife.
2: Oh, and the telltale signs that Julianne Moore wants her wants him back? Not really there.
0: No, <laughs> I, I didn't really see it. Um, it. There's just not much here. Uh, Bill Hader and Maya Rudolph play a couple that are friends with them that don't add anything to the production here at all.
2: That was the only thing I did like was... Uh, you know, ex-lovers who become friends, and every once in a while, that that whole shit that really bugged you about them as a lover comes out in yeah. friend mode. Yeah. That was the only thing I really enjoyed about it.
0: Um, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't hate this. I just, it was one of those I just tuned out at a certain point. It's like, yeah, this just isn't doing it for me. Mm-hmm. I, could, I feel like I. it's clear who this director, Rebecca Miller, is emulating in mm-hmm. style, but the writing is just nowhere near as good uh, as Alan, even at his most mediocre. Well, uh, I, I stayed tuned just
2: so I could be like, "Yep, I called that. Yep, I called that. Yep." You know, and and I, like the amazing Kreskin, I told uh, my girlfriend <laughs> everything that was going to happen at the beginning.
0: He wrote him down on little slips. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, um, she sure, she's like your Ed McMahon.
2: She sure is. <laughs> <laughs> We're waiting for that publisher's clearing. Or no, that's not her.
0: Yeah, no. What?
2: Never mind. Never mind. <laughs>
0: Um what was I going to say about this? Uh Oh, yeah. If you hate movies about overprivileged white people overthinking everything and <laughs> fucking up each other's lives because of it, then please stay away from this film. But if you like artisanal
2: pickles, watch the shit out of 2 minutes of this. I don't like any pickles. I love pickles. Although,
0: ironically, I like sweet relish. It's so gross. But only on hot dogs. And I hate relish. Yeah, I can't stand pickles.
2: All right. Well, fine. Fine. This is like civil war all over.
0: (laughs) All right. So let's move on to a film. I did actually enjoy, although it certainly didn't reach the heights of Oscar aspiration that it wanted to be, which Mm -hmm. is the man who knew infinity. It's a, uh, from last year, British biographical drama based on a book of the same name from 1991 starring Deb Patel as a real life mathematician named, uh, Ramanujan, who is, argued to be possibly the greatest mathematician who ever lived. He but was the mathematician. Yeah, he he kind of was. They still don't understand how this guy did what he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was like... I mean, there are idiot savants... I'm not idiot savants. There are savants, and there are savants. I mean, this guy is like... was like figuring out next-level math in his head without doing any proofs or working out. He's like, no, I just figured it out in my head. It works.
2: It's faster that and way.
0: And they're like, yeah. He's like... Telling people this, these stuffy British mathematicians during World War One, when he gets sent to Cambridge, which is unheard of. Yeah. An Indian guy to come to Cambridge like that. And uh, they're like, no, that's not how it works. He's like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to do the thing you're asking me to do, those steps. But this is right. And... Uh, under the sort of the guidance friendship of Jeremy Irons, who's a tenured, very well-known fish sure. loved blah, 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 teacher blah, blah, blah. there, J.G.H. Hardy, who, in fact, historically, had a very close friendship with this guy. You know, mm-hmm. During the ten years or so he was there, they published a number of papers together and were well-known as being very close. Yeah, I took a lot of selfies at pubs. Yeah, exactly, if there had been cameras <laughs> at that point, which if he had, if Ramanujan had lived longer, he might have invented cell phone cameras. He could have. Um, there... The the difficult thing, of course, is that people are still very racist against at this point in time, uh, outwardly, about him being there at all, much less being taken this seriously without the proof to get there. But every time they do do the work and get there, they're like, wow, holy shit, this guy not only just figured out shit we've been working on since the beginning of math effortlessly, you know, after he had a dream, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> but he's also rediscovering stuff that took. Other mathematicians, you know, centuries to get to that he didn't know of because he was relatively uneducated. Yeah, you know, he just figured it out on his own. I mean, the guy was a, the genius of geniuses. Sadly, died very young. You mm. know, of uh, it, they they thought it was tuberculosis, but I forget what it actually was. They were saying if they had realized that it was it due to something in the water in India that like some sort of organism he had ingested, if they'd realized what it was that he might have lived. But mm-hmm. them. The math the, or the math, the science wasn't tight enough with doctoring nope. at the time, um, and I think overall this is actually pretty entertaining to watch. If no other reason that you're like, you immediately go on Wikipedia and look this guy up and go, is all this stuff true? <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I found the math part more interesting than the actual movie part. Mm-hmm. Like that, it was it was fine. There yeah. was nothing wrong with it. It uh, it had a nice warm tone to everything.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's badly done. But it felt like maybe a different director could have done a lot more with this mm-hmm. you know I mean like I kept thinking about it was the one with a uh, uh, a beautiful mind when I read oh yes, yeah. I was like God, you know, it could have gone somewhere so much more effective, somewhere more more visual, and it just wants to be kind of a more dry British drama.
2: And I was thinking, like, man, you gotta get back to to uh, Fire Kingdom so that you can you can finally.
0: <laughs> oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that to Deb Patel. That's just me. Hey, he
2: did that to himself.
0: <laughs> hey, man, he took a check. If they came up to me tomorrow and said, M. Night Shyamalan wants you to be in the next Airbender movie, I, yeah, you can believe my indignation would be out the window the moment I looked at the numbers. Well, uh, or craft <laughs> services. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, sure. I'll be like, I'll do it for the queso. Yeah, yeah. They have Jersey mics. <laughs> Uh, Toby Jones, who I always love to see in a film, plays the role of another professor here who's, who's sort of teams up with G.H. Uh, Hardy and uh, Ramanujan on several occasions to help him work out the math. Stephen Fry has a small role in here. Uh, Jeremy Northam plays Bertrand Russell. Yeah. Uh, the master atheist himself. Mr. Teapots. <laughs> Actually, some of my favorite, like, I can't quote them because they're very long, but quotes ever about, like, the doubting of faith Mm -hmm. are by Bertrand Russell, who is like, like an eloquent poet of of like the beauty of science and not requiring faith to Mm -hmm. see, uh, to understand beauty and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, Obviously I'm not quoting him because that was (laughs) terrible, but um, anyway, yeah, I like this. Don't love it. Like I think Deb Patel does a really good job. Um, I'm not always a complete big Deb Patel fan, but I think he works well for the role here. It just needed more. It needed more vision from the director.
2: Yeah, it needed needed some more draw.
0: Yeah, but at the very least, this will introduce you to a guy who really was an amazing dude who's worthy of just going and looking up and reading more about him. Because you're like, God damn. This guy's like, they're still today figuring out some of his proofs, his, his, uh, his equations that they just didn't understand and going, holy shit, he was right. <laughs> like a hundred years, hundred years plus later, there's no working on that. Finally get the proofs to get there and go, how the fuck was he right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this, this definitely brought up uh, like, I really wish there were, well, okay. It, it leads to the question of, it sh- does, do, do we really need movies or popular culture to make math and science appealing? Yeah. Like, shouldn't it be appealing on its own? But
0: it's not. But but at the same
2: time, it's like, I really wish there were movies that actually did a good job of
0: that. I mean, there are, but this is not one of the ones that does a better job of it. Like I said, it's not a bad movie. I think it's one of those, it's appealing, it's worth watching, but it was never going to get a wide theatrical release here because it's just not good enough for that. And that's a shame because you're right. I would love to see more movies that are doing that, saying, hey, by the way, math is actually pretty fucking interesting. (laughs) You know? It's actually pretty cool. And what they did to Alan Turing was awful. Yes. Well, see, there's a good example of a movie. A guy, major mathematician type guy who like, was huge and everybody saw it and went, wow, it was a great movie. And they also, were like, oh, I love Sherlock Holmes. Also, the British establishment can go fuck themselves for that period of time. <laughs> uh, let's move back to Arrow Films with their movie The Bloodstained Butterfly, or in Italian, Joe. Uh,
2: it's a thing that you do. No. Oh, okay. Un farfalla con le ali insanguinate.
0: it's funny because insanguinate would insinuate that that I guess that's blood stained. Some uh, In, bloody insanguinate. It's got to be bloody anyway. Um, this is a sort of a cross between the Italian polizia films and the Italian giallo films because it's not really totally one or the other mm-hmm. it's kind of somewhere in between but it's highly regarded in in circles for both and that a holy shit, the plot actually makes sense and you can follow it. And at the end, you're like, that's plausible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, that actually makes sense. And B, like, it was kind of one of the earliest movies to really start showing you all the forensic science and how all that works, all those details, how police actually investigate stuff using forensic science. Like, okay, that's cool. On the other giallo hand, it points, it's really bloody, has like the classic black, loved killer. Yes, you know? <laughs> it's got a love
2: making scene where it looks really painful.
0: <laughs> it does. That was not a fun love making scene to watch for anyone, and it looked like it wasn't a fun scene. It was like, did any of you want to be here? Uh, but I will say, I thought ultimately it's kind of dull. Yes, uh, I. But that's the problem with like like ninety percent of the Italian giallo that wasn't directed by Argento or Bava or somebody Mm -hmm. like that. A lot of it's just a little too, it's like, we need you to gussy this up with this super elaborate bloody scenes,
2: And it will, and having the same theme running through just like, Oh God, just, just, just make, do do a little tonal shift to, to make it actually important instead of it sounding like the soundtrack is on repeat.
0: Yeah. No, no, you're right. I mean, that's I think everybody at some point was copying stuff that people like Baba and and Argento were doing with much better composers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean like when you listen to Goblin do their stuff, you're like, "Yes, this is doing a lot of repeating, but it's super powerful and effective the yeah. way they're doing it. It's really good, very can't get out of your head stuff." This was like it's okay. <laughs> um, and this is one of those ones where somebody there's a killer who's murdering woman and they're like, "Okay, who is it?" and it looks like it's this ma- like really well-known guy who's kind of the main character. And mm-hmm. Like very early in the film, he's he's convicted and put in jail for it. Yep. But then it's like, "Oh shit, maybe it wasn't him." And like the other characters looking to see who the who's the actual killer and uh and, yeah, I mean it gets there's a it's really hard to figure out. I will say that. I yeah. did And it's one of those, you have to keep eliminating the killers as, as very typical of Giallo's. So They're like, every time you like, oh, it's clearly that guy. Wait, no, they just got murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, in some films doesn't matter. They'll be like, oh my God, it was them. And they faked their own murder. That Dude, shit happens too. In damn, you things. scream too. But, um, I, I don't know. I liked it, but I can't, unless you're a hardcore, unless you're like, I'm ba- all about watching Giallo. This is not one I would say you should go out of your way. For. Oh yeah, it's a passageway. Next for me. week I'm actually discussing the Blu-ray release of uh, Dario Argento's Tenebrae, which is essential alcohol watch, mm-hmm. like one of the all-time greats. I mean, comparing the two of these, you're just like, yeah, this is only for people who just have to get every <laughs> niche. But I mean, like once again, I got to give it credit for the fact that it's very beautifully shot and that the it's unbelievably plausible <laughs> <laughs> which is rarer than not for Giallo. Yes. You usually have to go, "Um, what?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on to something I I don't know. Oh, it was awful. Ratchet and Clank? Yeah, it was bad. I mean, I didn't actively hate it, but maybe it's cuz I was going into it expecting to hate it. It's not good. No. I mean, this is a big animated film of the really good video game series. Yeah, people and kids love it. I I enjoyed playing all the the PS3 games for this, or maybe it was PS2. I don't even remember anymore. But uh, I enjoyed playing them. They were a lot of fun. And the characters were fun. It was very colorful. had cool storyline stuff. It was kind of goofy sci-fi. Apparently, the new game they came out with for PS4 is supposed to be great.
2: Oh, yeah. It was an amazeballs. You've
0: been getting terrific reviews. Uh, But this movie, across the board, was not... Getting terrific reviews. Um, they actually brought in the series creators of the games for Insomniac Games to come in with the production, the screenplay, character development, and the animation. And I hate to say it, but every time I hear about that happening in a video game movie, it always ends up with something even worse than you could possibly imagine. Yeah, like you're almost like maybe you should leave those guys out of it. Well, it's like these are these are different art forms. Yeah, maybe it, that's the problem. I don't know because this whole thing just. It, I mean, it's not worse than any of the cutscenes in the games. But those are just cut scenes. Right. You only have to watch them for a minute or two. This is a full-length movie. This <laughs> is 94 minutes of that, and it gets old kind of fast. I mean, and this is also kind... I mean, it's. I guess it's a parallel universe, because stuff in here happens different than they happen in the storyline of the games, Okay. because this is a setting up how the the two main characters meet, you know, with Ratchet, but voiced by James Arnold Taylor, who I believe is the same guy who uh, who voiced him in the games meeting up with his little robot, uh, clank. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, uh, voiced by David Kay. same difference. And, you know, it's whatever they have. They end up becoming members of this superhero force of, uh, of the Rangers. Um, or, you know, everyone's like They're, they're basically treated like superheroes and dress like superheroes. Um, uh, voiced by Bella Thorne, who's Cora, Rosario Darz, uh, Dawson, who's their sort of, like, assistant, science assistant, Alaris. Um, uh, Jim Ward as Captain Copernicus, who I'm reasonably sure also voiced him in the game. Uh, and uh, Vincent Tong as Brax Lectris. I don't know, man. Like, there are moments I chuckled, and I kind of liked um, Sylvester Stallone playing... Uh, the sort of secondary bad guy in here, uh, uh, Victor Von Ion, mm-hmm. which I was like, wow, that was the best. For Stallone. I kind of liked Paul Giamatti playing chairman Dreck. I mean, it's a corny performance, but it's kind of funny. I was just like,
2: "Oh man, poor John Goodman."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John Goodman, who's has next to nothing to do here, is like the mechanic that hired Ratchet initially. He's just the guy who comes in and gives him little moral lectures every once in a while.
2: So, so they're like, "Oh man, I've never seen to whatever you are." Do, do, does does the the Ratchets end up being like of like a god race or something? I have no idea. Okay.
0: I I don't, yeah, they're always like, yeah, what are you?
2: That was my only, like, question about this, you know, man.
0: Like I said, I don't think it's hateful. It's just there's nothing new here. It's so lazy in the way that it emulates much better movies in the weakest way possible. It's just so formulaic. It's like this is how you make an animated film, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah, pretty much is like, well, uh, take the Pixar equation and just go ahead and leave some stuff out. I
0: mean, even when it's trying to do the the part of any big animated film that, you know, the, the, the animated roller coaster ride that every film mm-hmm. has two or three of, they're all so bland and, like, there's <laughs> nothing really special yeah. or impressive about them. I don't know. I mean, like, there are worse, much worse animated films than this that have gotten theatrical releases, but there's certainly, that doesn't raise the bar enough for this to be worthy of watching
2: well it also really felt like man sony's really trying to bank on on making these animated movies
0: yeah well i mean everybody wants to take their brand and make it successful right yeah you just there's got to be a way we can make more money just got to choose
2: jeff guys uh, (laughs) choose jeff yeah be choosier
0: (laughs) yeah um I, i guess part of it is that they're like these studios, which have so much money now, I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus! How much money did Grand Theft Auto V make for Rockstar?
2: Billions, millions. It was like in
0: the first month, it broke a billion dollars. You're like, that's fucking insane, <laughs> and it's still in the top five selling games, apparently. Okay. Like years later, you're like, oh my god, uh, those guys want to take that money and they want to continue those brands because they know gamers. You know, when it gets to when it gets to VR and everybody's gaming VR when it right, gets good yeah. enough. Is that brand going to be able to follow follow them into that world? Because lots of brands dissolved and are are almost useless now. You know. Well,
2: look, Sony, I'm going to throw you a bone here. Like, okay, I'm putting on my idea hat. Listen to me now. Crash Bandicoot. Yeah. Should have made a Crash Bandicoot movie. I don't know. I and mean, Crash Bandicoot is an alcoholic ex DEA
0: agent. <laughs> Clifton Collins Jr. Exactly. Crash Bandicoot. (laughs) No, wait. Isn't he supposed to be Australian? He's a Bandicoot. Yeah, Yeah, that's Australian. He's he's from like Oceania in general. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe one of the Hemsworth lesser Hemsworths. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Throw it at them. Uh, There's a few bonus features on here, but they're just EPKs, so there's not really anything to really... You know, I just don't watch this. What you should watch, which is my pick of the week, is The Nice Guys, The new movie from Shane Black, the only thing I thought disappointing about this at all is that it's not as good as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is like one of my favorite movies ever, and certainly my favorite Shane Black film from a guy who's done a lot of really good movies. Mismatched Buddy movies is his specialty. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's not to say that there's anything wrong with this film. That's such a high bar for that.
2: I got a question, because this (laughs) was bugging the shit out of me the entire time I was watching this. Okay, do this. Did we... Did we screen this together, and I was, like, really drunk or high or something? I did review it
0: for the site, theatrically. Well,
2: because as I was watching it, like, I knew what was going on because I had seen this before. Huh. But I haven't... I don't remember going to watch it in the theaters. I remember missing
0: it. That's very weird. Yeah, I know. It was, like... Uh, Maybe you read the synopsis at Wikipedia. No,
2: because of, like, remembering scenes and, like, like the, the arm-breaky stuff and, like... Well, that was in the trailer. I I don't remember even watching a trailer for this.
0: Yeah, but you might have forgotten watching
2: it. Maybe, but, like, all of the movie, I was like, I've seen this
0: before. Maybe this is like that whole Bernstein Bears thing.
2: Maybe. But but I'm not saying that this is derivative. Uh I'm just saying, like, it was weird ass deja vu weird
0: that you were having a deja vu through this whole thing because i don't think this is derivative
2: right that's what i'm saying like i don't nothing comes to mind but
0: uh and the plot is kind of (laughs) complicated this thing i mean it's film noir it's It's wacky good times it's 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 mismatched buddy film noir comedy dark heavy on the noir but also heavy on the comedy yes it's you know that sort of very black black humor type I,
2: stuff. I, I would say it's this is why gosling is worth the money
0: yeah this is definitely one of my favorite gosling films
2: because he has a huge balancing act like, like he's, he's got to handle a whole shitload of of emotions and tones and and still he sells all of them well you just saw this so you describe the plot
0: uh, I know, which I'm like, do it because this is actually a complicated plot. So the plot is
2: basically you, you you've got your 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 drunken, fallen on hard time detective crossing paths with uh, this kind of thug for hire who wants Russell to Crow. Russell Crow, who who wants to be a good guy. He wants to do good, but he 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 doesn't really know how. He just knows how to hurt people. Yeah, and so then there's there's a missing girl. Uh, that that uh, that
0: that uh, like, God damn it! What's his friend, name? Basically, teenage girl, right?
2: Well, no, no. Uh, with the the nice well, <laughs> Ryan Gosling, the Ryan Gosling has a beat on, and so then that's when their paths cross, and they for for whatever reason decide to follow this investigation together, mm-hmm. and then things just. There, there's layers upon layers upon layers of complexity, and you don't know who's telling the truth and who's not. And and uh, the MacGuffin is the girl that they're looking for.
0: Yeah, I, and it all has something to do with a, a, a murdered porn star named Misty. Yeah, Bruce. well, yeah, I didn't want to get to the good parts. Well, that's the beginning of the movie, <laughs> which is just a full-on tit, dead woman tit shot.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I rewound a whole bunch of times.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, like... I, this is a movie I want to get back and rewatch because I don't think I completely understood what the whole how the whole mystery played out the first time because mm-hmm. there's so you're right there's so many layers and it keeps revealing new stuff that reverses something that happened before you're like oh that piece of information we were looking at it wrong it's actually a pretty complicated film noir mystery that just happens to be really funny all the way through.
2: well and, and there's not really any misleads you're right it's all about perspective yeah like when you look at the same material yeah and then it totally makes sense
0: uh and you have nice little roles from kim basinger here uh Matt Bomer. Uh, Keith David, who I'm always excited to see, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah I was too, he has
0: a wonderful moment in here, uh, and it's it's a lot of fun, and it's one of those things like, man, g- g- more power to them for even getting a wide release for this. Because yeah, it is not the type of film. I mean, if they hadn't gotten Ryan Gosling for this, it would have never gotten a wide. Well,
2: release. it's it's campy noir, yeah. which is such a hard genre. Don't even know that it exists.
0: It's one of those things that you're like. It's one of those movies that you're going to have to convince your friends to watch yeah Say, I swear this is something you want to see and once they do afterwards it's going to be one of those movies they're going to tell all their friends about and be the one who discovered it and yeah. be so excited about that, they, that this, they found this awesome film same way Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was I still walk in to meet people all the time who are smart, film loving people who've never even heard of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And I'm like, smack! <laughs> what is wrong with you? Well, what's
2: funny is it's goofy as shit, yet I'd say it's as brutal as Drive. <laughs>
0: you <know>? Oh, it's <laughs> super brutal at points. There's like, it's one of those films that when it does that thing, when it goes there, it is just no holds barred. Like, oh, fuck! <laughs> you know, these guys are, I mean, it's a violent film, no question. It's not gory. But it's violent as fuck.
2: Well, and I don't know if, if there there needs to be a redemption for Russell Crowe, but it's certainly reintroducing him to the American audience in a likable way.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, what Shane Black did for Robert Downey Jr. with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. yeah. Where he, like, at that point, he was at the lowest point of his career. It's so, like, he had gone through rehab, but nobody would hire him, and he was starting to give up. and. That's the movie kind of got him back started again, uh, which he returned the favor by getting Shane Black uh, cast to be the director of Iron Man 3. Oh, there you go. Oh. Uh, anyway, this Blu-ray, which is my pick of the week. I don't know if it's yours. I'll go for it, yeah. Uh, it comes with a five-minute, five-and-a-half-minute feature called Always Bet on Black that focuses on Shane, the great Shane Black himself, and everyone saying, yep, I love Shane. He's great. Uh there's a 6 minute worst detectives ever making the nice guys you know very epk and then that's it shocked there's not more on here but ultimately this thing was obviously they used every cent they had for budget and probably the studio didn't give them much more to fill out the disc
2: uh, I it, it, it it's this is the kind of movie where I want to see more and I'm afraid of more
0: Yeah agreed <laughs> Yeah please don't make a sequel type thing where yeah. it's like I'd love to see these guys playing these characters again except They'd probably fuck it up. (laughs) You know, lightning in a bottle. Uh, Our next one is the both. hmm, This is definitely a weird film, but it's also strangely normal in a way that's unsettling. Mm -hmm. It's Der Bunker which was a German 2015 horror comedy film, feature film directorial debut by Nikias Krisos. Probably saying that wrong. I apologize to N- Nicholas. Uh, I saw this at Fantastic Fest and was like, that was kind of crazy. I think I liked it. <laughs> but I'm still not entirely sure. Uh, part of the reason this is actually good is the lead actor Pitt Bukowski, uh, who was also, and this is another art exploitation release. Uh, Observance was the other one we did this week. But he was in another art exploitation uh, release that I, in particular, really liked. Uh, uh, what is it? The Samurai or uh, Der Samurai? Not Der Samurai. I'm forgetting the name of it now.
2: But it ain't Lay Samurai.
0: No, it is not. Um, But he's, like, really good in that, and he's really good in this. He plays a student who uh, answers an ad to rent a home to go have peace and quiet to study. It turns out it is literally a bunker in the ground with a really charming wife and husband who live there, along with their six-year-old son, who just so happens to apparently be like a 40 year old dude with like a Beatles bowl cut <laughs> but with the six year old ish but
2: 10 year old's body uh, 10
0: year old's but well, you know sorta he's just it's right off the bat clearly something has gone wrong and this yeah. guy's like what the fuck doesn't know if like there's just dist- maybe the kid's got some of that medical condition you know or he ages super fast or something <laughs> he's got a touch of the progeria <laughs> he's certainly got the mentality of a kid And his parents think he's the greatest kid ever. He's going to grow up to be president of the United States, despite the fact that this all takes place in Germany and they're German. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But they convince this guy uh, who's staying with him. It's like, we'll, you know, we'll help you out with some of the bills and stuff and food, but we want you to be the tutor to our son and start teaching him stuff, which he does. And it just gets weirder and creepier from there. There's something about, there's a, alien living in the mom's leg that I'm not sure what was going on there, but it was super creepy. and mm-hmm. weird. But by the end, it never strays far enough into weird that it loses track of the narrative. It always stays in a story and ends at a pretty creepy point. Uh, I I really liked this partially because, like I said, the lead guy and the and well, the whole cast I thought were doing what they do very well. I mean, the family is kind of this hyper exaggerated fifties father knows best family almost, except for when they're not. Well, <laughs> uh, it annoyed me
2: in that it could have delved a little bit deeper into some of the oddity because for a while there, I thought I was like, oh. He's the Antichrist, but he's clearly stupid. He's
0: goofy, Damien.
2: Right, like, like he hasn't gotten Damn. the whole Antichrist thing worked out yet, and then they introduced the whole alien thing. Damien's mentally disabled twin brother. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> but so, but but then by the end, the way it ends, I was like, oh. Uh. Well, the way it ends ends up sort of more of a like, a, like, a thriller horror type of way, which almost felt like, oh, I forgot, that's the kind of movie this is supposed to be. Yeah, but you I know? was kind of disappointed by that. I mean... I like that it actually had a real ending, <laughs> you know, as opposed to the other exploitation film, film.
2: Well, as long as there's no bunker too.
0: I don't, yeah, I, that seems unlikely. But I, I don't know. I like, there's nothing else that's weird in quite this way, and the performances are strong, and it's genuinely funny at several points throughout it. Yeah. Um, I had fun with this. Wow. This falls on my recommended list for me. I really liked it. Um, and there's audio commentary with the writer, director, producer, Nikias Christos. A few deleted scenes. Not a lot, but, you know, there you go. Worth watching. The last film we're talking about today is one you didn't get to see because I was like, you don't need to watch this. Okay, cool. Because uh, I know you're like, whatever. I'm not going to watch like a fucking super long Orson Welles directed version <laughs> of uh, like a mismatch portmanteau of of uh, of Shakespeare stories. Uh, this is Chimes at Midnight. Um It is made in 1965 was kind of barely released when it came out. Critics are very disdainful of it upon its release, but since it has been quote rediscovered, uh, a lot of critics now say they think it's Orson Welles best film. Uh, Having seen citizen Kane, I can tell you you're wrong, (laughs) (laughs) but part of it is that I'm, you know, I'm just not the biggest Shakespeare guy. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. it's one of those. I'd almost rather just read a Shakespeare play with an analysis mm-hmm. than I would watch it being performed. In some ways, it's, and part of it is that I just I'm not the biggest poetry guy. Well, there you go. I have no soul, as some have said <laughs> or suggested. Uh, this is kind of his version of uh, the story of Sir John Falstaff, which is a character. That appears in Shakespeare's plays, King Henry the Fourth, Part One, Part Two. Yes, Shakespeare made sequels.
2: Yeah, he did. Uh, Cashed in.
0: And uh, uh, what is the other one? Um, uh, the Merry Wives of uh, Windsor. But it also has text from Richard the Second, Henry the <laughs> Fifth. You're like, it's definitely a mishmash of stuff. In, about this character, which which Orson Welles plays, who is a huge drunken reprobate, uh, who is best friends in a way with the son of uh, Henry uh, IV, who's just come into power very, like, murdering the previous king sort of way. Um, and everyone's pissed because, like, another guy had already been announced by the previous king was going to be the next king. And everyone's like, no, no. He said very clearly this guy was going to be the next king, not you. Who the fuck are you? And it's kind of this battle, the war that begins, a brief war because of that, so that Henry could stay in power. Meanwhile, his son, who is, like I said, good friends with Falstaff, Orson Welles' character, is out drinking and whoring and stuff. And it's kind of – this is kind of about that point where he t- starts taking responsibility for his whole, whole life can, while can, throw, sort of throwing Falstaff under the bus.
2: Can I can you I, can I, can I just interject? Yeah. I, I, I stopped paying attention
0: <laughs> well that's the plot, <laughs> as it were uh of chimes of midnight and it's all right if you like Shakespeare maybe you'll be like you're an idiot this is great i I'm sorry I just get bored. I like Macbeth I like uh as you like it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like uh uh taming of the shrew
2: misogynist
0: I like, I like uh yeah well you know what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> I like my fair lady too you know I like uh 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 the best um What's the one with the fairies?
2: Duh, duh. Midsummer's
0: Night Dream. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, you're like, which one with the fairies? Yeah, there's
2: there's yeah. lots of them.
0: But there's a lot of them I've watched and I'm just like... <laughs> and there are even versions I've seen of those where I'm like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is one that I'm like, it's alright. I mean, it's biggest thrill is just watching Orson Welles be ed is absolute hugest like more morbidly obese just lurching his massive frame around from place to place probably for real drunkenly Uh (laughs) very convincing if not uh and just shouting at everyone and being abused and made fun of by everyone he always said that this was his favorite of shakespeare's characters like the ultimate shakespeare character and you're like you know because he's not entirely unlike you (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah, I mean, like. If, if, here it is. It's never been on Blu-ray. I don't even think it was ever on DVD. They finally got it put together and cleaned up, and sure, it, it looks great. So if, if that's if you're excited about that, if you're Orson Welles completist, or if you're a Shakespeare completist, and and you gotta know, well, here it is. And uh, you know, it's 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 a. Uh, It's a Criterion release, so it's filled with bonus features and a pamphlet-type thing that's more of a (laughs) fold-out, mappy-type thing, as it were. Uh, I did not watch this stuff, I'm willing to admit, because I barely made it through the movie. But there it is. Wow. Yeah. Ringing endorsement. Yeah, I know. Faint praise, indeed. (laughs) I know. It's not for me. My dad would have loved it. (laughs) Whatever. Uh So, I don't have anything else to review this week. All I have is our giveaway. Oh, what
2: are we going to give?
0: I'm giving people something we just talked about on our TV casts, a uh, first season DVD set of Lucifer. Oh. Which, as we said on there, as I was talking with Elliot and JC about it, is so worth your time and super fun. And even some some fun little bonus features on it. So, uh, what you need to do is uh, first get a Twitter account because you have to today or the, the men in black come to your door and are like, what's going on?
2: Yeah, it'll be a Luddite. Jeez. Uh, By the way, I don't have a Twitter account.
0: Wait, you don't have a Twitter account? Oh, my God, a twit. Tweet.
2: Uh-huh, sure.
0: <laughs> I think you answered your own question. <laughs> um, and uh, you tweet at one of us, net, which is our Twitter account. Uh, God damn it. You have me wanting to keep saying twit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh Uh, Lucifer giveaway. And what do they have to say, Joe?
2: You got to give us your best American Ninja sequel
0: uh, subtitle. There you go. Like American Ninja 7. Colon blood toaster, and you don't have to include the American Ninja part in your tweet because I know you only have so many, but you, but you, have, you have to do the colon. Yeah. If you want for bonus points, you can add some detail about why what happens in the film or sure. what makes it special or something like who co stars or something. Yeah, and but there's some, some detail about it that might be the selling point or a tagline. Yeah, yeah, sure, that works too. Alright that brings us to the end of this week's digital noise. Yeah, do. As always I've got got to thank my uh my friend and and heterosexual life partner Jim. Mm, well, I'm <laughs> just so pretty. <laughs> uh we'll be back um it'll probably be another week and a half I think for the next one. Uh, we're working on it. It'll be me and Marco again, and we've got a big list of movies for that one, including some of the biggest releases. So it, sorry, Joe. The, the stack I handed him has some of my favorite home releases I've seen this year. Well, you're down. an asshole. It just turned out. You're that an way. asshole. <laughs> sorry. So, a lot of good stuff in that one. Uh, so, tune in then. And until then, tagline, 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 end of show. Goodbye.
1: Bye.